Hello, and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm George Stahl, joined with Anna Bryant, Scott Reel, and Seth Abram, and we are excited to have you listening today, and we want to talk about habits today, but before we jump into uh, what we want to discuss, we want to give you an update on Celebration of Hope, or 21st, is that right, Anna? It's, uh, well... (laughs) Yes, I, something like that. We missed a couple of years pandemic, but it's the annual yeah. 2023 Celebration of Hope. And we would like to extend an invitation to all of you who can and would like to join us. It'll be on September 14th at 6.30 p.m. at the Loveless Event Barn. And it's just going to be a fun evening of telling all the wonderful stories of uh, ways that we've seen lives impacted around the globe, locally, nationally, um, internationally. It's going to be such a sweet evening, and we would love nothing more than have you all share in that opportunity with us. So mark your calendar, save the date. You can go to our website and reserve a seat or make a donation online, and we hope to see you there. Yes. The such a barn. good invitation. I want, I'm already going, but now I want to go again. <laughs> <laughs> Please do come. <laughs> two, thi- two things the Loveless Barn is known for. Celebration of hope and biscuits. Mm. <laughs> There'll be plenty of both. <laughs> so you can come to Nashville and enjoy Celebration of Hope and get yourself some good biscuits and jelly. It'll be wonderful. Mm. Um, but today we want to talk about habits. Let me start off by saying this. Bad habits are like comfortable beds, easy to get into but hard to get out of. And is that not true? One of the things that we can do to break an easy habit, um, at least what behavioral scientists tell us, is we can change our mindset toward our habit. And they call that adding friction. When the brain has to work harder to perform a habit, it loses interest. And we can make a habit harder to perform. But Scott, you say this, and this is where we're going to start today. Habit change is a matter of the heart. It's more than adding friction. It's moving in a new direction entirely, and it's a consecration of our desires. Yeah, I think what we, we talked about when we were kind of prepping for this, that we do, often we try to reform our behaviors. Reformation is usually where we all enter into the process of change. And when that, we know that is extrinsically driven. It's driven by pressure, consequences. And so for our areas of our life to be transformed, and to sustain the change, it has to move from just reformation to transformation, which is what uh, Dr. Gerald May talks about in Addictions and Grace, that we all start from, almost all of us start from extrinsic motivation to change. You know, things aren't working out, and sometimes these things are even life-threatening for us, but or anywhere in between, but to get to the place where it's no longer... I'm consciously trying not to do this and just trying to reform my behavior. It becomes a part of who I am in my relationship with God. And that's where May says, and when in the end, God is always inviting us through this process, even when we're extrinsically motivated to where it's consecrated, which means it's no longer about just trying to abstain from something or change something. It's about who I'm becoming. And that's at the heart level. And uh, this person that I become doesn't even think about those things anymore, doesn't need those things anymore, has moved into like a whole new existence. And that to me is a beautiful example or definition of transformation. 
So you're talking the difference between transformation, which is like just swapping a habit, to transformation, which is like um, renewing my mind, which we have a lot of wonderful brain science now that, uh, yeah, it isn't just changing out a habit. It's like I can begin to have a renewed mind in such a way that is actually changing who I am. Right. I was going to say, George, because otherwise what we often do in reformation is we just transfer one obsession to another. You know, mm. we're just not at the core level. We have not really been changed, transformed at the heart level. And that's where um, that's where it has happened. When that happens, I'm a different person and that person doesn't respond the old ways anymore. Um, that's a beautiful. But that's a journey to get there. It's a process. Seth, you talk about, well, we can we can work with transformation. This is not the end goal. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, getting there here in a second. I'm, I was just reminded as Scott was talking about um, uh, one of actually my favorite Thomas Merton quotes. Um, and he says uh, that you find peace not by rearranging the circumstances of your life, but by realizing who you are at the deepest level. Mm. And, and and I just I feel like that's what that's what Scott is uh, really addressing here. Um, but but yeah, going back to this the idea of reformation, it definitely. Um, as Scott mentioned, it doesn't bring full sustaining change. We know this from uh, Prochaska's work, but but often I do think it is a part of the initial, like most accessible on ramp. Uh, I think is a part of uh, the process of how we we get to where we're wanting to go. Uh, and even you know Scott on in this chapter he talks about how he's not against reformation, which is which is awesome. This is to me like a a healthy, well balanced, um, not a rejection of a part of the process. And there's not like some um, spiritual bypassing that's happening here. This is a part, This there are different uh, aspects of how we get to this place that we're talking about. Um, but but he goes, Scott goes on to say, and I'm talking about him as if he's not here, but- uh, um, He's here. Uh, <laughs> he, At least he says, I think. Right, <laughs> in some fashion. Uh, he says that, uh, I'm not against the Reformation, but if it's, uh, God's will and his commitment to our freedom that I think it's more superior to observe and collapse our choice in the direction of his transforming grace. Mm. Yeah. Anna, you uh, you practice reformation too, but you say that, it, that there are little steps of growth along uh, toward transformation. Right. Like yeah. sometimes uh, it takes small reformations to complete a transformation. So while reformation doesn't necessarily in itself bring about the transformation, right? When we um, reform one habit into another, it's like steps, like it can be small progressions towards that overall transformation, like little tiny habit changes uh, extended over time really brings about something that is completely new and different. And Seth, you bring up something interesting, which is, a trigger word for me and maybe for some of our listeners. Maybe it's comforting to some and and uh, quite frightful for others, but God's will. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Scott, in the book, I know you, uh, I believe in this day, you quoted uh, Gerald May. He says, ultimately, our yearning for God is the most important aspect of our humanity and our most precious treasure. It gives our existence meaning and purpose. So let's talk a little bit about God's will and what that might mean in this process of transformation and seeing bad habits turned into us becoming more healthy and whole human beings. So what does that word God's will 
mean for you guys? For me, you know, I think there's a kind of a stereotypical, you know, definition that for most people to hear that, well, that I don't do bad things, you know, that I, you know, just get my act together, you know, and walk right. And that's not it at all for me. What I believe God's will is for me is that I'm free. And because mm-hmm. only, and again, we're quoting a lot of May's work from Addiction to Grace. He said, ultimately, only a free heart can love purely. And so we were created from love for love and to become that love. And, you know, and I think it's interesting that we're talking about this because I was just praying about this this morning in my quiet time that, that I do believe the aim of life is divine. And, and what is divine? It's, it's love. And that the older I get and the more I enter, stay in this process of transformation, I like what Anna and Seth are saying, that we remain in this process with God. It's, it's not one and done. It is just a continuous. So if we continue to make ourselves available to God, and, we're, and these were a big part of me writing this book, was, was the recognition of kenosis, the emptying out the old, the tired, that is not of love, which I think Reformation, Reformation is driven by the ego as where, as we move into transformation, then they were, that's theosis, divinization, the divine comes in, where we, but we have to make room for it. And so it doesn't matter how old you are, if we, I am more loving, more understanding of love, and more being of love at this stage of my life than I've ever been in. And it's all grown out of this effort with God to to grow into my inner freedom and to to let go of that which just does not serve me well. But we fiercely cling to what we know. That's the essence of what Restore is all about. We create that space where people can stay on that journey. I think that's what we've even discovered in offering these groups is that people need to stay in this process, in this community, really for their entire life. Um, because the process just continues to evolve. We let go, we let go, we let go. The divine comes in more and more. And all of a sudden, I find that I truly am a more loving human being. Love for myself, love for my fellow man, love for my family, and ultimately, a love for my God. And it's, it all works together. That's kind of a long answer. but Do you think some of us have like a notion of God's will being the thing that's going to be that we're going to hate the most. <laughs> or, You're going to have you know, to We're going to be invited to, to, you know, becoming who we are is going to be something that we absolutely despise. And I think what we're talking about is the exact opposite. It's like, it's discovering more deeply that this is who you always wanted to be anyway. It's really important that we have a proper framing and understanding of what God's will is, and that it's not necessarily a pass-fail, right-wrong answer. It's not like, does God want me to do this or this? Like, God's will is all about, like, indwelling goodness and being fully ourselves, who He created us to be. It's not so much a figuring out, is this the thing that God wanted us, wants me specifically to be doing? And remembering that, that Part of God's will is that He created us with free will, and it's He's not a He's not a cruel God. He's not a capricious God. So He's not a God that says like I'm going to give you a choice, but you better choose the right choice that I'm thinking you should choose. Right? Mm-hmm. That's not who God is. God is good, and He is kind, and He is loving, and He has given us that freedom of choice 
um, with the opportunity to become fully what the potential that he created within us, right? And that doesn't necessarily, it's going to look, mean it's going to look a particular way. It's not a pass-fail class, right? It's really about embodying wholeness and um, moving past like things that hold us back or hurts or false beliefs about ourselves or God or humanity or the world in general. It's really, it's really the process of fully becoming who we are. Help us understand, like, what's the connection between God's will and the bad habits that we kind of started off talking about that we can't seem to find freedom from? Like, yeah, how do how do those how do those connect? Yeah, I think that's a really good question and an important one. Um, I love what Anna said as well about just our innate capacity for wholeness and what that looks like for each one of us. I think it's an individual journey uh, as well. Um, but I think, you know, correlating bad habits with, with God's will, I, I think this, this journey uh, to freedom or of, of, of uh, transformation really is about recognizing the ways in which I have reify, reified or concretized a part of myself that I've confused for the whole of myself. And I think that's um, like what Anna was saying, even just we're working towards what it means to be more whole and the parts of ourselves that we um, have identified with this ego self are, are not our whole, our whole selves. This is where our habitual habits or our habitual self comes from. You know, when we're trying to, what's that phrase? If all you have is a hammer, all you'll see are nails. Mm. And so like, we're trying to figure out what are the other tools that we can actually put into our, our tool belt here because our, our habitual self or the habits we use, we've outgrown those and they're now in the way, they're the exact hindrance to becoming who we want to become. So when I think of God's will um, for my life, I think it's less about one specific uh, exact path that I'm supposed to be on. And if I'm off of that, oh, I'm screwed, you know, I think that concept is, is was built out of a, a fearful place of, the potential place that I might go if I don't do the right thing. And that makes sense for me. But I but I also just think there's not one specific, you know, like I am only called to be a pastor or I am only called to be a mailman or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. There's not, and, and we're not going to get a billboard that specifically speaks to, you know, the clarity of this for our lives. And I think what uh, God's will is, is more about human flourishing, what does it look like for us to flourish wherever we are doing whatever it is that we feel um, is our vocation? And I think that is specific. Um, that's more so what I think what, what God's will is. And so as we work with our habits, um, I think that becomes more of a reality in our lives. Because it's a, you're speaking of a partnership. Mm-hmm. So God's will isn't like something that's being forced upon me, you know, the, something that I have to accept and receive that, you know, isn't about my flourishing or isn't about what I know I'm supposed to become. And you're talking about participating with God to identify there's more flourishing for me to do. And mm-hmm. what is in the way of that flourishing yes. being yep. a reality in who I'm becoming? And Scott, you speak of it as freedom. God's will is about freedom. Yeah, and, and uh, Gerald May's book, Addictions of Grace, was the first book I read about 25 years ago when I started this journey. And it was all about freedom. It was not about doing the right thing. Mm. It was about 
find that inner freedom. And it just really made sense to me that he starts his book with that we all have that inborn desire to be loved. That is the greatest need of all human beings. And, and so if that desire is at the heart of everything I do, and he talks about that desire gets captured by things, and it's where we get the French word attachment comes from. And so I attach to these things, and these things inhibit my freedom and inhibit me from experiencing that love. And so... I was I wrote I was listening to you guys talking. I was thinking that our perspective, our paradigm of God's will for most people mm-hmm. is I, like so saying I got to get on this right path and I got to you know I got I got to do the right thing and I got to have I got to be doing the right things, and I don't think it's that at all. I think God's will is for the man that He wants me to become, that I mm-hmm. want to become, and and what is that? And as a man, it's full of love. And I think that's a part of the systemic issue of our society. It's all about doing, 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 getting, getting, consumer-driven. And we miss, and we get, we actually get attached to those things, and, and those things can become serious attachments. And so becoming free, I do believe, is God's will. And so those habits can thwart that freedom for sure, and they do. It's much more energizing to, to see God's desire for our flourishing um, in that way. It's like, it's an open heart. It's an open mind. It's an open life. It's getting curious about what's ahead that's going to lead to more thriving and well-being and joy. And yeah, so... George, what's that famous quote? I'm I'm not going to get it right, but the glory of God is man fully alive. Yeah, oh, I love that. Yes. St. Irenaeus, yeah. Yeah, it's about being more fully alive. God's will is about making us more fully alive. Mm-hmm. That is an amazing thought. And in the book, you ask this question, what will satisfy my soul? Mm. And that's the work that we're all here to do, right? Mm-hmm. Is to do the difficult work of being honest about what is hindering us from <laughs> from that kind of satisfaction. Yes. It would bring that kind of joy and love and goodness into our lives. So what a great question to ask. I wanted to read just one other thing you you wrote in this book, and then love to have you guys weigh on weigh in on this on uh, what this means to you. But Scott, you said this: we are not trying to reform behavior, but transform at the center mm-hmm. where we participate with the divine, which you call theosis. Mm-hmm. God put something in us that was not there before: mm-hmm. His love and the desire to make us free. It's not just an improvement of the old self. It's being a new creation. We are not trying to reform behavior, but transform at the center where we participate with the divine. That may be the best thing in the whole book. <laughs> Every time we read something, it's the best part of the book. <laughs> I'm a four. Yes. It's hey, you and you you enjoy it. You're in the moment. So, yeah, Scott, what were you, what were you trying to say there? To me. When we when I started with Journey to Freedom, when I wrote that 17 years ago, that that is what I again just all from Gerald May that that freedom, a heart that's truly free, responds to life completely different. You know, also in the Old Testament, I think it's I don't know if it's in Isaiah or but where. He says, I, I, I will take that heart, I'll replace that heart of stone. I will give you a new heart of flesh. You know, I mean, all through the Bible, it's talking about this transformative journey of becoming free and our hearts becoming free. And, but I do, I do want to mention one thing, that there is a hope 
that I think permeates grace. And that's why grace to me is the most powerful force in the universe, because grace is what beckons me on and invites me. I have something so much more for you if, you can, if we can let this go and uh, if you can make room for me. And that's, uh, again, what I said earlier, we do fiercely cling to what we know. Even if it's dysfunctional and destructive, for many of us, it works for us in its, in its dysfunctional way. And it's very frightening for people to let go of these things. Freedom comes with a great cost, and that's, it takes courage to face this journey. And that's why you cannot do it alone. You need a, need a healing community. You need others to ask that question, what will satisfy my soul? Because it's a process. And that's, that is a great question I think we should all ask of ourselves. What will satisfy my soul? And what is blocking that satisfaction? Mm. What am I settling for? And the divine presence you're talking about is actually wanting to help, to guide, uh, to open our hearts, our eyes, our lives to a more beautiful self that we we already are. We just need to free ourselves from some habits and be free into who God is making us to be. But Seth and Anna, what's that question? What will satisfy my soul? How do you guys... When I heard you say that, I heard one name, Seth and Anna. <laughs> Seth and Anna. Oh, oh. it your... works. <laughs> Seth and Anna. Uh, well, you're definitely part of satisfying our souls that you guys are in our lives. Um, we try. We try. Um, what comes to mind for me is um, just, especially around reforming, is this 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 idea of how, especially in the world we live in today, that we're so inundated with information, uh, especially like in the self-help world, um, information seems like it is valuable, but to a limited point, like information isn't transformation is the point, right? Mm. And I think when we confuse information for transformation, it's very similar to uh, that other analogy of moving around the deck chairs on the Titanic. It looks like we're doing a bunch of great stuff, but it, but the ship is still going down. <laughs> yeah. And and like we haven't allowed the information to actually sink down into our hearts and actually transform us. And and so I, I think one way to, to, to name this, um, transformation is actually more about intimacy. So opening my heart mm. to be seen and held and, and deeply affected and ultimately shared. It's that uh, broken and blessed idea, right? Or even uh, we're, we're going through um, that book together, uh, Jason Miller's book, um, and he's, he's talking about, you know, having our hearts broken open. Mm-hmm. And, and, and being, just, patient, being patient in that space. Yeah. As opposed to... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think this is ultimately how we are transformed, you know, is when we allow our hearts to be broken and what happens, how God meets us in that space. You know, yeah. Beautiful. How about you, Anna? That's a, such a great question. Um, I think for me, really figuring out what satisfies and what will bring the ultimate satisfaction is, you know, the outgrowth and the transformation of becoming more fully myself. And I think this speaks a little bit to what Seth was talking about, that it's spending less time gathering and processing information and more time just being and maybe allowing myself the space to process what my paradigm is, 
what is it that I believe about God? What does God work? What does God's word say about who He truly is? What is my experience about who He is? If I look at it, you know what I mean, like through different lenses, and not just the lens of what I've always known, but really uh, challenging myself to think about things in new and different ways. Just spending that time being as opposed to doing, I find for me that's where the transformation happens, right? That's where I find space to empty myself of who I think I am, who I think I should be, who maybe I historically have always been, and creating space for God to pour in and and give me new ways of thinking, new ways of existing, new ways of being, Um so for me, that's where I become more fully myself is just really creating space for God, spending time in, in real self-reflection and not filling every moment of the day with tasking or um, ingesting information or pouring out and giving. But really, for me, that's so important to create space almost just to be. And that's where God shows up. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, if I could just, um, I really loved that, and it just reminded me of a few things. Of we we talked about in our um, planning session about kind of correlated uh, reformation with this sort of reformation and transformation with the active and the passive uh, practices, mm-hmm. um, and that neither the the active practices uh, aren't aren't um, in the way they're a part of right as we've been talking about but I, I, as Anna was just talking there I think both those kinds of practices are super valuable for what it looks like to uh, lessen our habits and become more allow the divine to become more a part of our lives is these active practices uh, where we're you know joining together where we're going to do things together but then just as important if not potentially at some point more important is the receiving, the receptive kind of practices where we are just being and we're allowing the divine to come in and affect, affect us and infect us uh, as well, really. Yeah. It's more of a, a posture of not gripping tightly, mm-hmm. but of just an openness and a curiosity and a belief that what I need is going to be poured out into me. So it really is more about openness and not resisting so much. Um, perhaps the, the pathway ahead that, yes, of course, it's going to involve having to uh, face some things that we would rather not face or things that are difficult. But the truth is, is that beyond them, there's a beautiful freedom and there is a life that um, is going to free us from the habits that are destructive and that are we're going to find we're being guided to more flourishing. Scott, final word here. And by the way, just to let everyone know, we are working through each day of this book that's yet to be released, Journey of Transformation. And it's a 36-day contemplative journey to help you understand your personal story and your inner life more fully and compassionately. So that's what we're doing. Um, It's a slow process. It's a working things out. And Scott, you're you're giving us you're giving us these things in bite-sized chunks so we can think about. Um, but your final word here on this day of habits need more than friction. We all enter into the process of transformation from an extrinsically motivated place. You know, it's reformation is is a good thing. 
it, it, it gets me started. But God is right there with his grace along that way, inviting me very gently to a different story. And that requires me letting go of these habitual patterns that have been my responses to the difficulties of life. Even though in some way they serve us, they thwart our ability to love. And I, I, I think one of the things I hope this book achieves is just what we kind of talked about today, just that perception that so many have of, of divine, of God, God's will. I don't, I don't think it's that positive with a lot of people uh, because they f- I think they feel shame. I, I'm, not, I'm not measuring up to what God's will is. And the reality is the divine to me is love. And so I, I, I can never say this philosopher's name that well, but he said that the aim of life truly is divine. And that's um, the divinization, the theosis that I was talking about. It just made sense to me that I can't get there if I'm still holding on to the old, to the tired, to the worn out. Uh, and that those things that are holding me back from that freedom and because only with a free heart can I truly love. So I want a new heart. I want a new response. And it's never too late or too soon to begin that journey and uh, to allow the divine to pour in. But we have to make room for it. As I'm listening to this today. I would be, maybe today is that day for you. I always love this saying that any, it can just be another day or this can be day one. Well, there you go. Let this be day one. Uh, for all you listening in whatever way you need a day one. But how about we just heed that final word of Scott to um, God's will maybe today is opening up to love, perhaps in a way that we've not yet opened. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's for ourselves. Maybe it's to be more loving toward others. Maybe it's to open up to uh, a brand new notion that God is absolute love and any will he has for our lives is for our own flourishing and for our own good. So whatever way you need to open up to love, friends, um, we invite you to do that today. And although every one of us is on a different path, we are all on the same human journey. So visit us online, restoresmallgroups.org to learn more about online and in-person groups that we are offering right now. We would love to journey with you and join on your journey along the way. But over every mountain, there is a path and the future rewards those who discover it and press on. So stay on the path and take care of yourself.